Welcome to another edition of the Second and Bowl Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you as always. And in today's show, we'll be recapping the top 20 fantasy wide receivers for 2021, as well as maybe a few other names to know as well. And we've got an awesome guest on for this show. And after we have a piece of news, we're going to get into that, talking top 20 wide receivers for fantasy football, recapping that for 2021. But like I said, we've got an awesome guest on the show you can follow him on Twitter at FFShaneB, and he's the host of the Fantasy Football Collective podcast, as well as the Fantasy Nightcap podcast and the co-founder, again, of Fantasy Football Collective. It's Shane Barrett, who we have on the show today. Shane, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I reached out, obviously, a few weeks ago, and I've been excited for this show, so I'm excited to get to talk to you today and talk some fantasy football. Yeah, man, I'm super excited too. Uh, I tweeted out a few weeks ago. Hey, if anyone needs a podcast guest, uh, hit me up and you reached out. So uh, happy to be here. Um, and, and thanks for the intro. I, uh, I'm pretty excited too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess, is there anything you want to plug before the show starts? I guess I mentioned your shows, but anything else you want to shout out before we get started? Yeah, sure. I lo- I'd love to. And I think you know about this too, but I am the uh, founder of the Polly's Playoff uh, Charity Tournament. And it is a tournament to benefit Alzheimer's. So it's a minimum $10 donation. You donate directly to the Alzheimer's Association. Last year, we had about 240 people play um, tiered PPR, super flex, non-tight end premium. So a di- little bit different scoring than your, your normal leagues. I'm still trying to decide if I'm going to go best ball or for like half of it, or it maybe throw in a couple IDP players in just to really throw people off this year, but mm-hmm. we'll see, but that's all I want to plug. And it's my pinned tweet on my profile. So you can register and read the rules there. Awesome guys. Yeah. Go check that out for sure. He's at FF Shane B on Twitter once again, so you can go find that in the pinned. So yeah, I guess uh, I'm ready to start talking news. If you want, if you're ready to get into it, we got one piece of news here before we start talking wide receivers. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. And this is some Cowboys news that just dropped probably a couple of days before we started recording this. So a few days before this podcast is actually going to drop. But the Cowboys are officially expected. They're expected to release Amari Cooper before the start of the new NFL league year. And uh, coming with that, they're also close with a deal for Michael Gallup for a potential long term extension. So um, judging by what you just sounded like, I assume maybe there's some fan bias involved here. Not hundred percent sure, bit, yeah. but I wanted to know your thoughts about this for, I guess, for fantasy football and for real life, because this was definitely a surprising move, but I think it's also one if I'm remembering correctly, that saves the Cowboys a lot and helps them a lot in their cap situation. So it seems like they're committed to maybe going with Michael Gallup and CD lamb as the wide receivers of the future. Yeah. So from a cap standpoint, it makes a lot of sense because Amari is a $20 million hit on the cap next year. If he's on the team, if they cut him, I think it's only 6 million. So mm-hmm. that right there is going to net them 14. Um, and from a football and a fantasy football perspective, though, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, and you and I were talking a little bit pre-show, but the splits with Amari Cooper in the lineup for Dak versus when he's out of the lineup are not great. And then the comparison between Cooper and Gallup are really, really similar. So Cooper's 6'1", 203, 27. He's played in 47 games. Gallup is 6'1", 205, he's 26, and has only played in 29 games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and then Dak passer rating with Cooper is 114.4. His passer rating with Gallup is 109.2. Um, and shout out to Kate Majuk, uh, FF Ball Blast. She tweeted that graphic out for us. Um, it just, I feel like Amari is more of Dak's go-to 
when he's in trouble. Um, now, can C.D. Lamb step up into that role? Absolutely. C.D. is one of the best wide receivers in the league, if you ask me, um, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later, maybe, I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the difference between Amari and Gallup and the connection that they have with Dak is just, it's concerning to me, if you ask me. And then another tweet, shout out Marcus Mosher. He's tweeting a lot about this, but he said, he quote tweeted someone that Prescott to Cooper connection is the NFL's fifth best QB wide receiver combo over the past three seasons on passes of 10 yards or more downfield based on both EPA per play and success rate with a minimum of a hundred attempts. Like, why are you getting rid of that? Like it makes it, like I said, caps side of it makes sense. Actual football side of it and winning football games doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, I 100% agree. And it wasn't really just Cooper, too. Like, it was whenever Dak was without any of really his top three receivers, his splits were just, like, much worse, and he wasn't the same player. Adding a third wide, like, having three solid wide receivers that he can look to both down the field, as for CeeDee Lamb, obviously more of a downfield guy, and then underneath in the safety option in Amari Cooper made Dak really, the, that was when, when he had all three of those guys, that was when he was the most successful. And maybe this is signals more, maybe a recommit to the run game a little bit more. But, yeah, I agree with yeah. you. Cooper was extremely consistent during his time in Dallas. And I'm surprised that they're trying to get rid of him from a football perspective because he added like any, all having all three of those guys just added a new like level to that offense and made it one of the best in the league. Totally. No. And I like from a money standpoint too, if you look at it, I kind of hope they recommit to the run because of Zeke's contract. Uh Um, But I think that's going to start on the offensive line, which from what I've seen in mock drafts, they are, looking to recommit to the offensive line and, and get Dak pr- protected a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. And that makes sense as well as, I mean, their offensive line over the last few years, it's gone from being great to being maybe not mm-hmm. as great. And so they're definitely yeah. a, a point of emphasis as we head into, towards the draft. All right. Uh, so I guess that's the piece of news. Are you ready to jump, jump into the wide receivers? Let's get it. All right, here we go. We got tw- top 20 receivers here in half point PPR from 2021. Week 18 is excluded because so many guys are resting. doesn't really count. So that's how we and always your do it. Fantasy championship shouldn't be in week 18. If you are, you need to like fire your commissioner. Today. Yeah. It's time to move it to week <laughs> 17. It's just, it's not, it just is not representative of what the full season has to offer, obviously. And when you have a team that got to week 18, then they have their star wide receivers sitting because the mm-hmm. team is already locked up the top seed. Like that's not a way you want to end the fantasy season. It's not the fair way to do it. It's not fair to have to ask like, uh, fantasy managers to have to draft that way, keeping that in mind at the beginning of the year or just face the possible consequences. Um, yeah, but so let's jump into it. We got top 20 receivers. And of course, there was a very clear number one receiver in the league. Yeah. He, I kept thinking maybe there was going to be a chance he'll drop off later in the season, but Cooper Cup just never, ever, ever dropped off. 21.5 half PPR points per game. It was obviously even much higher in full PPR. He was around 70 points ahead of the next highest receiver. Played in all 16 of the games that we have here in the week one through 17. Super Bowl MVP himself, Cooper Cup, would not stop getting targeted in this offense almost every single game. He was a double-digit target over 100 yards with at least one touchdown. And that's just, there's really nothing more you can ask for. He was arguably the fantasy MVP up there with Jonathan Taylor, and he carried so many teams to a title this year. So I think, Shane, I don't know if there's any doubt for me that Cooper Cup is my wide receiver one next year. I obviously think there's a chance he could definitely fall off a little bit because he'd had just this historic season. But I want to hear your thoughts on him. Do you have Cooper Cup currently ranked as the wide receiver one heading into next year? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I haven't updated my rankings, at least for Dynasty. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't know. I, from a dynasty perspective, I don't know if I would rank him at one um, yeah. because of his age. And that's probably me being two ages, but for redraft, absolutely. Um, I actually, uh, I guessed it on another show recently and I was like, okay, just, just imagine you take away like 40 of his targets. So he's at a hundred or 40 of his catches. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I got to go look. Give me two seconds. No, yeah, 40 of his targets, 40 of his targets. So that's still 150 targets, which is really, really good for most people. Let's say that drops to about 20 fewer catches. It's still 125 catches. And then hypothetically, let's say he loses 200 receiving yards. That's still 1,750 receiving yards. And let's say four touchdowns less. That's still 12 touchdowns. I don't know about you, Calvin, but that's a good year. For yeah. a fantasy wide receiver still. Still I, maybe like, the wide receiver easily, one. I think. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, absolutely. He should be wide receiver one coming off the board in any drafts that you do um for redraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree for sure. And I think I agree with you about Dynasty as well, because uh, there are guys like, again, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, who are much, much younger and have that upside to potentially do that in the future. Although I guess for next season, I think it's still very clearly Cooper Cup for me in redraft. Yep, totally. All right. So for wide receiver two on the year, uh, this guy missed a game, obviously. So he actually is not like he could have maybe done a little bit better than he did, but he was still 70 points behind Cooper Cup. But Devontae Adams coming off of the year where he was the fantasy wide receiver one, despite missing two games last year, he came in this year and put up great numbers as well. They weren't quite as great as the previous season. Aaron Rodgers' touchdowns dropped off a little bit, but he was still the same player and he's still going to be dominant. But there are some more questions surrounding Devontae Adams because while I don't believe it's likely that Aaron Rodgers ends up leaving Green Bay this offseason, there is still plenty of controversy surrounding that. And if Aaron Rodgers departs and Devontae Adams doesn't go with him, which is a distinct possibility, then it's interesting. Then you have to ask the question, how much does his value drop off? Because we know Devontae Adams is a great receiver, but he's been playing with the back-to-back regular season MVP. MVP who has been like throwing darts and having the best seasons of his career, some of the best seasons of his career over the last couple of years. Like he probably has to see a pretty significant drop off if he loses Aaron Rodgers this off season. So I don't have the splits for this either, but his splits without Rodgers are actually not that bad. Um, And it's probably because he is so good at getting open um, through his route running and creating separation that way that it makes it easier for lesser QBs to still target him. Um, now, I think the yardage drops off a little bit, if I'm remembering correctly, and the touchdowns obviously drop off uh, significantly when it comes mm-hmm. to that. But he's still wide receiver one, wide receiver two territory, even without Rodgers. But that just shows you how much Rodgers elevates him. I mean, last year he actually ended up with 20 more targets and about 200 more yards, but just like you said, the touchdowns dropped off. So I think Adams should be right up there in the conversation with Cup if if Rodgers comes back and he plays with Rodgers. If not, then you probably drop him down a tier, maybe even two. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think he's going to be obviously completely gone. Like, again, like you said, probably still a wide receiver one for me, even if Rodgers leaves, maybe around that back end territory where he's like closer to a top end wide receiver two. But 
at the same time, like he's such a good receiver. He has the ability to get open and he's going to well exceed a thousand yards with, with whichever quarterback he plays with, no matter Mm -hmm. what, I feel like that's a guarantee. Maybe the touchdowns go down, maybe his like receptions go down and he becomes more of an Allen Robinson type, which I mean, I'm referring to Allen Robinson of previous years, not of last year, (laughs) not 2021. (laughs) That would not be the hope that he turns into Allen Robinson in 2021. That's for sure. But yeah, I think if Adam stays with Rogers, he's still up there in that wide receiver one overall conversation. Without him, I mean, we can cross that bridge when we come to it, but he'll probably drop down more to a borderline top 10 or top eight kind of guy, depending. No, completely agree. Mm -hmm. But this wide receiver three here, this is a guy who has a ton of upside. His future looks so bright. It's Debo Samuel. He was utilized so much in the running and passing game this year, just as like a weapon. He didn't even have a position. His position should have just been labeled as literally a weapon because he can be used wherever. The wide receiver three only actually like, Oh my, he was like less than a point behind Devontae Adams. So essentially the wide receiver too, he was catching passes underneath, but he also proved he could go deep and just make explosive plays to where he wasn't just getting like low a dot, like five reception for 30 yard type of games. He was getting tons of touchdowns as well. He's going to continue to be utilized this way, whether it's Garoppolo or Trey Lance at quarterback with Trey Lance. I feel like there's a little more of that risk because we don't know what could happen, but there's also a lot of upside because we know Trey Lance has a great arm and could be a star in the NFL. So it's interesting to think about Debo Samuel for next year, but I think whatever the case is, which I think it's going to be Trey Lance starting in week one, he's probably still a top five receiver for next year in redraft. Looking. So I'm not looking at the ranks right now. I'm looking at his stats and his yards per reception was 18.2. Um, and then he had eight rushing touchdowns. I feel like both of those are huge numbers, uh-huh. even for him. And his ability to get yak, like you mentioned, is incredible. Like it's going to help him um, continually be up there in this this territory. I'm lower than most on Debo just because I don't know. There's part. I don't know. Maybe I'm just bitter and don't like Kyle Shannon. Mm-hmm. And so I don't trust that offense. Um, but I don't know if I, I would take him as wide receiver three. I would be more comfortable with either Tyree Killer, Stefan Diggs, and then throw in probably Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson too above Debo. But that's just me personally, because I know he's got some injury history, Debo does. Um, and like you said, there's a big question mark at quarterback. Big, mm-hmm. big question at quarterback. Yeah, that's for sure. And I mean, even if Trey Lance is great, we know he can run the ball and go on mm-hmm. the ground too. So even if he becomes some great like 800 yard rusher, that might not be good for Debo because he's not throwing the ball like as at a like top 10, top 15 quarterback in the league in terms of attempts. If that doesn't happen, then maybe he doesn't get the chance to have as many big plays as he did in the past. I just think the reason that I'm still for now, like it's still early, but I still think Debo is probably going to be in my top five is just because yeah. of the massive gap he had in fantasy points. Like even in half PPR, he was still a full 1.9 per game ahead of Jamar Chase, over two ahead yeah. of Justin Jefferson, over three ahead of Tyreek Hill. And shockingly enough, Stefan Diggs averaged a measly compared to Debo. He averaged a measly 13.5 fantasy points per game, which probably goes up a little bit next year. But at the same time, like Debo was really in a tier of his own with Devontae Adams last year. No, totally. Um, If he repeats it, I will eat crow on this. No problem because he is, he's 26. He's really talented and a really good athlete. So I am prepared to eat crow on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's going to be great next year, no matter what, but it just depends on obviously how many targets he ends up getting with Trey Lance. 
Um, so let's move on. I guess we got the wide receiver four up next. And just like I mentioned, the wide receiver four on the year, one of my favorite breakout picks for redraft. And I couldn't believe that he was faded to like borderline top 30 status in preseason. It was insanity how low Jamar Chase was ranked. And I like he, from the get go, from week one, he became the wide receiver one on this team. And that's what we should have expected to happen, but somehow did not as a community. But Jamar Chase absolutely exploded, got a ton of touchdowns. He had like a ridiculous rate of like, didn't on his 13 touchdowns, I feel like the average like yards per catch was like 38 or something. I remember oh, seeing that yeah, stat somewhere. That would not surprise me one bit. Yeah, like every single touchdown he had was on a deep ball, but he's just so good downfield and in contested catches. But honestly, he's not bad near the line either. Like he's no type of no. Debo Samuel gadget guy, obviously. But there were a lot of plays where Jamar Chase would just go over the middle, get open, show his medal as a route runner and get like 20 plus yard gains. Like he can do that too. He's just a very complete receiver overall. And so his future is so bright, bright enough to where like I'd consider either him or Jefferson as the wide receiver one in dynasty overall at this moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's wide receiver one in dynasty. No question. Um, the, the reason I would pick him over Jefferson is just because we know Joe Burrow is going to be with him long-term. We mm -hmm. don't know right now if Kirk Cousins is getting traded. Um, Cause I don't think he's actually a free agent if I remember correctly. So yeah. we don't know who Jefferson's quarterback is going to be. And even if it was still cousins, I, th I still think Burrow is better. So that's why I, I would rank him just slightly above Jefferson. But again, it's just slightly because they're both, like you said, complete receivers. Um, and I think like he had 1400 yards on 128 targets, 13 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I could very easily and only 81 catches. That's actually really surprising. If you ask me, I could see his targets going up to probably 140, 150 um, and getting those catches up over a hundred within probably still around 12 to 13 touchdowns. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just going to be like, He's going to blow up, I think, again in year two. Yeah, but I mean, even if his catches don't go up, like this is who Jamar Chase has always been. If you look at mm -hmm. what he did in 2019 at LSU, he had 84 mm -hmm. catches for 1,780 yards, which is like yeah. basically the same number of catches, but then just add 400 to his yards total from his rookie year. Like mm -hmm. he did this, but to even more of an extreme with Joe Burrow at LSU, that's the player he is. And even if so, like, even if he stays at 80 catches, he's going to be just fine. Obviously you hope that number goes up to maybe 90 or hundred, but he'll be great in year two. And I think I would have him also ahead of Jefferson and dynasty. And then also ahead in redraft as well, because Jefferson, if Kirk, if Kirk cousins, and if the Vikings end up moving on from Kirk cousins, it's hard to see a scenario where they get like a, Deshaun Watson significant or improvement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, be, just because they do have, I don't know if they have the best cap situation right now. I mean, it's very possible, but I feel like that situation is likely to stay the same or maybe get worse rather before it gets better. So next year, I think Jefferson's upside's a little bit capped. Obviously he's still playing with Adam Thielen. who's getting up there, but at the same time, still a great receiver. And then it's Dalvin cook still there. Jamar chase is still clearly the wide receiver one in Cincinnati. Give Joe Mixon a lot of credit for being a great RB, but Jamar chase is the guy in this offense in terms of the skill position players around Joe Burrow. And he's going to be fantastic next year as well. It looks like from a cap perspective, they are about 18 million over. Oh boy. Not fun. Yeah. But. Oof. I'm looking at Kirk cousins. His base salary is 35 mil with a 10 million signing bonus there's any way that they can move on from him, which is probably why they're talking about trading him. 
Yeah. Um, then they'd probably that fix it all right there. I mean, yeah, but then they'd exactly. be without quarterback. It, yeah. Also, good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we already kind of talked about Justin Jefferson a little bit, but he was the wide receiver five last year, 16.1 fantasy points per game. Uh, do you expect him to kind of remain in that wide receiver one mid tier range next year as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's too good over uh, again. I really like guys that can run routes, i.e., Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, um, to create separation. And Jefferson is one of those guys easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So he probably stays around that so, range for sure. Yeah. Um, the wide receiver six, one guy you talked about, you might have a little bit higher was Tyree Kill, who was just having great season after great season. As long as Tyree Kill continues to be tied to Patrick Mahomes, he will be a wide receiver one. He's 28 years mm-hmm. old, hasn't shown any signs of falling off yet. So until he does, I'm going to trust his like electric speed and like game-breaking ability. Sometimes he will have those like bus games, but they usually are pretty few and far between. Like occasionally you'll see Tyree Kill get like two catches, but he... But then he also has those games where he scores 40 and it's like, All yeah. right, this is worth it. <laughs> Yeah, it's totally worth it. Yeah, he should definitely be drafted as a wide receiver one next year for sure. It's interesting because I do feel like this like top of the wide receiver class, like I think there's a clear one in Cooper Cup for next year. But in terms Mm -hmm. of like the top like seven or eight guys, it's pretty wide open. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot of rankings that might have it like completely different. So Tyreek Hill could honestly be like as high as the wide receiver three for me, but maybe even as low as like the wide receiver seven. Like there's an argument to be made either way, but either way he's going to. Oh, yeah. Um, and just looking at his stats, he's actually pl- – he's had at least 100 targets in every season um, wow. except for uh, his rookie season and then in 2019. Um, and he was hurt, I but think. But he's right? also had at least six touchdowns in every season, which mm-hmm. that to me is impressive. Um, yep. His yards per reception were down on uh, this year compared to the last four. So if that goes up, um, I could see him kind of – that's kind of my argument. I, I feel like is Al. Oh, sorry. I played basketball this morning and my hip just cramped. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like the argument to be made for him over Debo is that the Chiefs offense had a more down year this year in the very beginning. Um, and so Tyreek kind of came on later in the year to get to that wide receiver one numbers, it felt like. And um, it was because teams were taking him away. So I feel like now the Chiefs kind of figured that out and know how to, to compete with that. And he's so fast, man. Like, he can literally break a game open at any point. Um, so I, I'm going to trust Tyreek over Debo still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I think I'd go the other way on that. But I do – but despite – it's true that despite the Chiefs offense having maybe not their best year, Tyreek Hill was still fantastic. He will continue to be. And in Dynasty, he's a bit riskier of an asset, asset given his age, given the fact that if speed guys lose their speed, they're kind of nothing. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill is just a speed guy, but that's obviously like very clearly his calling that's his card. Bread and butter. Yeah, that is his bread and butter. So that would make him if he loses his speed, he definitely would drop off relatively quickly. Uh, but let's talk about the wide receiver seven. This guy is a major route running guy. It's Stefan Diggs. He's always mm-hmm. going to be open. He's always going to get the ball played in all 16 games on uh, weeks one through 17 and was just fantastic. Like he put up consistent numbers, got consistent targets. I don't think there was a game where he was below like five targets this season, which makes tons of sense. And he was always getting a lot of um, volume, 1,225 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns. 
164 targets. What's interesting is that he only caught 103 of those. And I feel like that's like maybe a bit fluky. Like I don't feel like Stefan Diggs had like necessarily a bad year. I feel like that catch rate would come up a little bit. So maybe there's room for totally. a bounce back for sure. But maybe because of his, I guess, somewhat modest fantasy points per game total compared to some of the other guys who are up there in that elite tier. Yeah. And I was uh, shocked that he actually ended up with 10 total touchdowns. Um, but yeah, you're correct. He actually, he had at least six targets in well, really at least seven targets in every game, but two, he had mm-hmm. five targets in week five against Kansas city and then six targets against Indy in week 11. Um, but other than that, he had at least seven in each game. I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, his receptions being at one Oh three out of one sixty four is surprising. Um, and that number should come up. And even if his targets drop to one fifty, that's I still think his catch numbers come up to about one twenty, and we're much better off. Mm-hmm, for sure, and that, like ten touchdowns, that's a solid total. But for a guy like mm-hmm. him, he could easily go the 12, 13, 14 touchdowns route for sure. Um, but he's going to get in the end zone. He's going to get his. He will be consistent, and as long as he's tied to Josh Allen, which will be probably mm-hmm. for the rest of his like prime career, then he's yeah. going to be perfectly fine. Um, so let's move on here. We got the wide receiver eight next. Of course, it's Deontay Johnson, who kind of quietly finishes That's the wide surprising. receiver eight. It is yeah. a little bit surprising, but he averaged 14.2 fantasy points per game, which was more than Diggs. And it did feel like he had a really good year. And he, But he was just getting insane volume. Like talking about mm-hmm. Diggs's volume at 164 targets, Deontay Johnson had 169, which is crazy with a guy like Najee Harris in that offense, Chase Claypool mm-hmm. there as well, mm-hmm. Juju for the part of the year. He put Fire up Muth. Yeah, Friar Muth as well, especially like in the red zone late in the year. He only put up eight touchdowns but and had 1,161 receiving yards. So probably not the most efficient with his targets there. But even so, like that kind of volume is just ridiculous. And I think if you get a guy who can push the ball downfield a little bit better than Big Ben, which even if he's a bad quarterback is probably just about anybody, then Deontay should may, – we could see his yards total – yardage totals maybe go up a little bit. Although I don't know if that catch rate is going to be – too bright for him just because in general, like big Ben wasn't very accurate. I don't know if there's no guarantee at who they get at quarterback next year. And we have to kind of assume that it's going to be a struggle, at least at the start, um, especially because of this weak quarterback class. So I don't feel like Johnson's going to be like a 130 catch guy. He might still be one of the top targeted players in the league though. So he'll be around back end wide receiver one territory probably next year. No, I, I completely agree with everything you said. And I wanted to, uh, emphasize that I think part of the reason that his production was probably quiet this year was simply because big Ben was, was bad this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Big Ben probably needed to retire about two years ago. Uh, And it was, it it was rough this year because like I had a ton of shares of Claypool because I was anticipating similar to his rookie year um, with the, the usage in the run game and using him down the field, but big Ben just couldn't get the, the ball down the field. He was physically not able to. And so I think that will benefit Deontay as well as getting someone in there with a more live arm to allow him to actually get, because like his long was this year was 50 yards. Deontay Johnson is better than that to have a longer, like I'm butchering this but Deontay Johnson is fast enough and good enough at getting open that his longest reception should be longer than 50 yards yeah and that's his career long like his long in 2020 and in 2019 was 45 and 47 
you've got to get him someone who can stretch the field um, because I feel like he can be used that way as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think if you get a guy again, like with a better kind of arm in uh, which maybe the Steelers are going to be targeting a guy like Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, both definitely have a better arm than big Ben in the twilight of his career. And yeah. both whether they're good or not would end up targeting Deontay Johnson a lot. Best case scenario, they get Aaron Rodgers and he's maybe the like the wide receiver one next year. That would be awesome, but that's probably yeah. not going to happen. But that's, of course, what we can hope for, for sure. Uh, so the wide receiver nine on the year we got next up, it's Mike Evans. And he is always, always, always up there. I think that's now eight straight 1,000 yard seasons for him, if I'm correct. Like that's the longest to start a career mm-hmm. of any like receiver in history. He barely yeah. made it. Once again, it came down to week 18 for him, but he made it. And now like he's, I feel like Mike Evans has to be like a Hall of Famer. Like he hasn't done anything crazy spectacular, but he's got a Super Bowl and he's got eight straight 1,000 yard seasons. And I think that's got to mm-hmm. put him in there when the time comes. And he's still got some well, football left in him. And he's got uh, he's got four seasons with 12 touchdowns or more, two mm-hmm. with eight. So he's got 75 touchdowns so far in his career. Like, yeah, the, I completely agree with you. He's he's a Hall of Famer already, um, but he's only 28, and he's still probably got three or four years left of good football, if you ask me. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see who they get at quarterback. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, and I want to say he's – are going to be like a relatively safe pick again. But I think without Brady, you're definitely going to have to drop him off a bit because Mike Evans, the only two quarterbacks he's really played with in his career, mostly have been Tom Brady and Jameis Winston and Jameis Winston throws for 5,000 yards and 30 picks when he's got all those receivers, like we saw in his Mm -hmm. last year in Tampa Bay and Brady will throw for 4,800 yards and a lot less picks, but either way, that means Mike Evans is going to get a lot of targets, particularly in the red zone, but without Jameis and Brady, I hope he hits that a thousand yard threshold again. Cause that'd be great. I just want that streak to go yeah. for the, his entire career, but yeah. I think maybe the touchdowns could drop a little bit. If the Buccaneers mm-hmm. struggle to get going on offense, if they roll with a guy like Kyle Trask, which I don't think is unlike is, is likely, I think they're going to struggle Ooh. next year. And that would be probably the worst case scenario, but either way, the Bucs do have a bit of a quarterback problem right now. No, I a hundred percent agree as an sec fan. If they go with Trask, um, that's not something I want to trust from a fantasy perspective or an NFL perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, now Trask maybe learned from Brady and grew and who knows, but it from his, his time at Florida, uh-uh, I don't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense for sure. He kind of like I coming into the draft, I kind of just saw him as it's Mac Jones, but slightly less accurate with a slightly less good arm and less decision-making and less mobility, like kind of just Mac Jones light, like where yeah. to the point where it's like, he's not really a stable QB. He's more just like kind of a bad QB. So yeah. like not to be harsh or anything, obviously. And I still think he could have maybe a fine career, but there's a reason he was a second round pick and Mac Jones went number 15 overall. Definitely. So let's go to the wide receiver 10 here. We're about halfway through so far and it's DK Metcalf who had a confusing season and really the entire Seahawks <laughs> offense had a confusing season. Metcalf is 24 and we cannot forget his talent, but Oh my gosh, in the middle of the season and I'm looking at his splits and he was like targeted well too, for most of that time, he just wasn't catching the ball or getting like good targets. And he wasn't like until really week 16, 17 and 18. Right? And I guess uh, really actually not even really week 16. Cause he had two catches week 17 and 18 were okay. But then, like, the, for the, a while, he was just not getting consistent volume or good volume from Russell Wilson to where he could consistently make big plays. 
And so 75 catches on 129 targets, that's not very good. Him and Russell Wilson were not on the same page, but he wasn't stretching the field either to excuse that low catch number, like 967 yards. We said Jamar Chase had 1,400 on 80 catches. That's where DK Metcalf should be, given his talent, but he was not there. And with or without Russell, like either way, because we saw him struggle with Russ, I feel like his situation is a bit murky, no matter what the QB situation is next year. But I want to hear your thoughts on him because he's going to be a um, polarizing player for next year. Yeah, I it's tough because I, I feel like the injury probably affected Russ more than he would probably like to let on, even mm-hmm. though he he came back. And I feel like that's probably what's going to end up or what ended up causing DK to struggle. Um, like you said, the volume was there 129 targets. That's, that's really good. If you ask me, but the catches at 75 and the low yardage is not what we want to see from DK. If he's going to have that low catch total, you want him well over a thousand yards. Um, his yards per reception were is only 12.9. We want that way, way higher. Mm-hmm. And then he was able to finish with 12 touchdowns, which is probably what salvaged his fantasy season. I think Russ stays personally. Um, And I, I think him getting healthy and them maybe trying to commit even more to the past than they have in the past will help help DK kind of expand his fantasy outcomes. Um, Just because like they've tried committing to the run game, but Chris Carson gets hurt all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alex Collins isn't, I mean, he's a starting NFL running back quality, but not a starting fantasy running back, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. Um, and then Rashad Penny, when he's healthy, is phenomenal. But I just think they need, like, their strength is in DK, Russ, and Lockett, and they need to focus on that more. Um, so hopefully they uh, they listen to me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah, listen to Russ, because I, th- I feel like that's what he's asking for. And that to me would unlock DK even more. Yeah. And that's why I feel like the bet though is better on DK and dynasty than redraft, which is obvious because totally. he's definitely ranked higher there because eventually whoever has him, whichever coach is going to have to figure out a way to utilize him. If it's not next mm-hmm. year, it's going to have to happen at some point. Um, he's and then way too good of an athlete to not be used for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like that would be, that would be like such like an all time kind of wasted talent. Mm-hmm. time if dk metcalf never like came back to what he was even like a couple of years ago or didn't have like at least a couple of like elite wide receiver seasons so he's going to be fantastic at some point i just don't know like maybe uh, i don't know maybe pete carroll's not like the same i'm not maybe pete carroll's not adjusting to the today's nfl as an offensive mind in the way that he should be or at least his players in the way that he should be like it's worth I it to question because take. multiple different offensive coordinators same mm-hmm. quarterback have been there. I mean, maybe it's a rust thing, but like, where else do you, I, I understand it's where the, how the players perform on the field, but like at the same Play calling time is huge though, too. Like if I'm mm-hmm. a huge advocate for the right play calling um, yeah. and it's gotta be questioned a little bit. I think with the talent that you have in the passing game versus what you have, you've had in the running game. If mm-hmm. you ask me. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, it's just weird. The Seahawks feel mm-hmm. like they should have been, the Seahawks definitely should have been much better than they were. Oh, and totally. some, someone is responsible. Maybe it's not one, just it's, one person, but it's, it's Austin a lot Davis. People. Screw that guy. <laughs> I well, can elaborate guys. on that more. If you would like me and solely responsible. <laughs> 
There we go. I think we found it. So get rid of him and we're all set. But DK Metcalf, yeah, yeah I think next year has a like a wide range of outcomes. But for Dynasty, I think eventually we're going to see him turn it on. I think it's the main takeaway. Totally. All right. So the wide receiver, 11 on the year. Keenan Allen, he always is around here. He's always great. He always will be as long as he's tied to Justin Herbert. With Mike Williams gone, maybe he even gets a target boost a little bit. But he played great, value. consistent, and he was fantastic this year. And he's always a value in drafts. Oh, yeah. If you can – and even in existing leads, if you can go trade for him, I would. Because look, his last five seasons, 100, uh, 102 catches, 97 catches, 104 catches, 100 catches, 106 catches, <laughs> all more than 136 targets each at least – other than 2020, um, 1,100 yards and six touchdowns every year. And then in 2020, he actually had eight. So that made up for him being under 1,000 yards. He is Mr. Consistent. He's one of those guys that, again, is always open. Draft Keenan Allen, trade for Keenan Allen if you're a contender in Dynasty. Yeah, I like it. He was one of the highest targeted players last year, of course, consistently open over a thousand yards. He'll always be in like that six, seven touchdown range, but like, that's fine when you're drafting him where he consistently goes, which is more like a wide receiver too. He'll probably be there again this year. And it might even be hard for me to rank him a little higher just because I like guy, I like to go after the upside at that point in the draft. But like, you know what, if he's there in the fourth or fifth round, easy smash accepted. He'll be a valuable player for my fantasy team that year. If I get him. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at ADP right now. Uh, ADP looks like he is on a uh, wide receiver nine and oh overall 31. Well, that's, that's high for him. If you ask me. Yeah. Um, I'm actually seeing, I'm seeing wide receiver 11 here on fantasy pros, but he, or actually, okay. but yeah, even so though, that's still like, Oh, sorry. I was looking at standard scoring. Let me switch to mm-hmm. half PPR. Yeah, that makes sense. Wait, why is he more down in half PPR than standard? That is weird. Don't know why that is. Yeah, that and I is guess these strange. are also early offseason kind of rankings. I feel like we might still see him in that back end wide receiver one tier, but that's still like a late third round kind of pick when and I'm still fine getting him there, of course. But I don't know why I feel like, yeah, I feel like wide receiver nine. I don't know why he's lower in half PPR than standard, though. That is a bit strange. Yeah, that doesn't be the sense. guy that should go up as you go into PPR. Where, but, sorry, I'm in a startup and I'm looking to see where he went. Give me just a second, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all good. Uh, he went at 8.6, so mm. middle of the eighth round. Um, but he was way past. So Jamar, Justin Jefferson, Diggs, DK, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, CD, Jalen Waddle. Sure. McCoy, yeah, I mean, basically, all the guys that we've talked about and others, including um some rookies from this current current class all went ahead of him. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I and mean, he's 29. So that makes sense for a yeah. dynasty league, obviously, but yeah, even so though, he's still going to be good. I think he'll be solid next year as well. And it helps to have like a young quarterback who's tied to him, who we know is going to be mm-hmm. at, on the charges for the foreseeable future. But with Mike Williams gone, I guess one final question that I have, is it possible that Keenan Allen's targets go up or is that just like, is he capped at kind of where he is? <sighs> His targets. No, I don't think they could go. I don't see him having 191 targets like Cup did because he's mm-hmm. been right in that 130 to 150 range. He, I feel like if Williams does leave, 150 is almost a guarantee. Yeah, I agree. But I don't see him necessarily exceeding that by a ton. 
yeah, I think other guys are going to go take it. At some point, it's just going to be like the, the get, play calling is just not going to allow for Keenan Allen to get the ball literally every single time in his age 29 yeah. or whatever it is. I don't know when he turns 30, but even so, like he's still not quite in the prime of his career, but still having good years for sure. Yeah. So to wrap up the wide receiver one tier, the wide receiver 12 was Chris Godwin. He missed two games, but was also very consistent and arguably a very good value in fantasy drafts as well. With Antonio Brown gone, if Chris Godwin re-signs, there is room for optimism there. If the Buccaneers can acquire a solid quarterback, that would make him very, very good next year. If not, I still feel like he's got like a solid base is probably no worse than not definitely not outside the top 30 receivers, but um, maybe probably like a wide receiver too, no matter who the quarterback is. But like he's he's a great player. I think he's established himself as in his own right. And I don't think he's just a guy who was a direct beneficiary of Brady. Like clearly he did it the year before, too, with Winston. He's still going to be great with or without Brady. Yeah, I was actually going to say that in 2019, he was the wide receiver two overall, and he had a very, very similar stat line to this year in 2021. 2020, he missed uh, two more games than he did in 2019 or 2021. But uh, if you compare him 19 and 21, he had 86 catches in 1998 this year, 121 targets in 1927 this year, 100 or uh, 1333 in 2019 1103 so that's the biggest well that and then touchdowns which we'll get there just a second actually yeah we'll go there now touchdowns he had nine in 2019 Mm -hmm. he only had five in 2021 oh wow that is pretty low that's something that's probably gonna go up well it could but he also tore his acl late and that's Mm -hmm. gonna be a problem um but he's only 26 so if for some reason he's out for a majority of the year I wouldn't mind honestly going and grabbing him um, if you're in a rebuild and dynasty and having him like if you're a year out, go grab Chris Godwin. Yeah, because then in 2023. You'll have Chris Godwin and whoever you've re- you've built that team around and Godwin is so good at route running also um, like he's just slippery, if you ask me um, that I, I think he's a really good target for a a rebuilding team even though he's 26 and will be 27 before he probably is fully healthy yeah that's fair for sure and it looks like the bucks and him are close to a new deal it does stink that he tore his acl and i i kind of had like forgot about that almost because i know after the game it didn't seem like he had like torn his acl like it seemed like a lesser Mm -hmm. kind of injury and then we found out later that it was so i guess does that mean he's gonna miss like maybe the start of the season. I don't really know. Like does the timeline still make it possible that he gets back for the start of the season or maybe not? I'm not sure. So he tore it in week 15. Now I got to go back. Give me just a second. Wish it had the dates on here, but it probably doesn't. So he tore it in week 15. Mm -hmm. So what we typically see, um, and just to be very, very clear, I am not a medical doctor. I am not a <laughs> physical therapist. Um, I just know this because I'm friends with a bunch of them and pay attention to this stuff. Um, typically what we see is a full year before they are back fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing with ACLs is with the modernization and improvement in medicine, nine, a nine month return isn't crazy and out of the picture. Um, now, is his, te- is his production going to be where it was a year ago? Probably not, if you ask me. But nine months versus 12 months would probably, week 15, 
he probably could he, like best case he could maybe miss a game or two and get back i feel yeah yeah best case worst case it, he's coming back for you in the fantasy playoffs um middle ground maybe middle of the year uh mm-hmm. which i think is is pretty re- reasonable to expect sure yeah and then maybe if so maybe if you're like a I, I don't know. It's always hard to say this in the draft. Like if you have confidence in your team, then go after it. Like everyone's going to have confidence in their team. So everyone's going to want to be like, well, my team's going to be fine without Godwin. Cause I'm so good at fantasy. So I'll uh-huh. just draft him and wait for him to come back in the playoffs. Then you don't do too well. And you're like, Oh man, I wish I had a real wide receiver in my wide receiver two spot, but totally. like, either way, I think he's still worth an investment because when he does come back and is fully healthy, he could still be a very good player. It just depends on where his ADP oh. shakes out. Totally. All right. So just a few guys left here. Wide receiver 13 is Hunter Renfro. He was great this year. 12 fantasy points per game, played all 16 games, caught the ball on every single third down in the entire Raiders like <laughs> games. In, this is the first time in NFL history that a player has caught every single third down pass for his team. No, obviously yeah. I'm joking, but he caught a lot of targets, 128 targets, 103 receptions. That's a very high catch rate over a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. He was very consistent, and I expect that can to continue. If the Raiders sign a guy, like I want to say, I still think Hunter Renfro is going to be good. But again, his value does have to take a hit because, like, he's he gets his volume, he gets his numbers, excuse me, based on volume. Clearly, like he's okay. got a lot of targets. He gets it based on having a lot of receptions. He's a PPR gem. So no matter how well he plays if they bring in another guy who can compete like and is a consistent starter, if the Raiders do, and then Darren Waller comes back, I think Renfro's value does have to take a hit as well. And I feel like a guy like Darren Waller is honestly a bit undervalued heading into next year. Cause I think Waller can take back a lot of that, maybe third down role that he had at one point. So I love Renfro, but I don't think we are going to get the same Renfro we had this year, but I'm sure he's going to be pretty good. No, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> Hey, shocker here, Calvin. Uh, Hunter Renfro is good at creating separation through his route running. So I like him. I don't have enough shares of him because I'd like those types of players. But I completely agree with everything you said. His previous two seasons, uh, he had 71 targets and 77 targets. He jumped to 128 targets this year. I don't think he's going to be close to 128 100 maybe 90 yeah definitely um but you said exactly why number one waller was hurt a lot this year so he comes back he's going to eat into renfro's targets they need to draft another wide receiver or get one in free agency 110 percent um the unfortunate situation that happened with henry ruggs is is tragic um but that is also a, I think, a contributing factor to why Renfro ended up with such high targets. If he has competition in that wide receiver room, even if it's not from a guy that's a burner like Ruggs was, and hopefully, like, um, like if it's from someone who's going to hog more targets, Renfro's targets will go down. So I don't expect to see him this high, but if he can continue to get open um, and create that separation, I think somewhere in the middle of his previous two seasons in this season is reasonable to expect. So like 90 targets, 70, 80 catches, maybe 800 yards, and then like six or seven touchdowns instead of nine, because he had nine touchdowns and that's huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was fantastic this year, but it's hard to see like best case scenario for him is like 
not even really possible because he can't even really like retain this year's production with Waller certainly coming back. And like, even if the Raiders signed nobody, Waller alone is going to take a lot out of that. So mm-hmm. he's a great totally. player, but not that this will probably end up being the best season we'll see from him, like in his career. I don't want to say that to like, not incur like he's 26. Obviously he's got a bright future ahead and this was a pretty darn good season, but I think it's going to end up being cut into with Waller coming back. Um, we got the wide receiver 14 up next. It was a guy we talked about a little bit earlier and it was CD lamb lamb missed obviously only one game, but he was, fantastic when he was out there he was that downfield threat for the Cowboys but he was not I guess I don't know if you you can even say it was disappointing because he was like a solid wide receiver too he was putting Mm -hmm. up good numbers consistently but at the end of the day like I guess CD land managers who drafted him kind of got like where they they got uh like returned on value I guess is what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. but I don't think they got the breakout they were probably hoping for which maybe made him seem a little more disappointed than he really or disappointing than he he really was this year no I completely agree with you um with Amari being out of the picture like I said I want to see him step up into that Dak's favorite target role which we've seen him succeed in that role like week one he had 15 targets and a touchdown he had 16 fantasy points week six he had 11 targets and two touchdowns and had 27 fantasy points if we go back down to week uh week 10 he actually had seven targets so not super super high but two touchdowns and then weeks 13 and 14 he had 10 and 13 targets nine targets in week 15 i want to see that more consistently he has a game with two targets he has a game with three targets he's got a couple fours and a couple fives like he needs to consistently be at that actual eight targets a game um yeah. not not like an average of eight targets per game but i guess a mean of or not a mean a median of eight targets a game mm-hmm yeah, that's fair. And he was maybe that inconsistency as well was what it was like, because a lot of times he would have a great game. It looked like he was breaking <clears> out, <throat> but then no, uh, but then he would end up disappointing you a little bit. And then, oh, yeah, and overall, if you had him in the fantasy playoffs, he screwed you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <clears> true as well. 7.6 in week 14, 5.0 in week 15, 6.4 in week 16 and 5.1 in week 17 for mm. fantasy points. That hurts. <laughs> yeah, that's not good for sure. Um, but yeah, speaking of guys here that disappointed in the second half, as we can talk about Mike Williams, who still finishes the wide receiver 15. He was one of the top guys early in the God. season in terms of like fantasy points. But I hope you traded him away because while he was still, he still had a couple of good games at the end of the year. And he actually like, maybe I'm not doing him justice because he did have that like crazy week 18 game. But overall, that in doesn't the second count half, for fantasy, so we don't care. <laughs> yeah, it does not count at all in the slightest. It didn't happen. But, um, we, but yeah, he did have 17 targets in that game, to be fair to him. But overall, yeah. like in the second half of the season, like taking a even since week six, like looking at yep. even his like his reception numbers were just not good. Two targets, then they had to buy two targets, two targets, four, five, four, five, six, three, uh, missed a game, then three, and then three nine in the game him. that doesn't count. Like that's not yeah. going to do it for you. And not even those Absolutely aren't even good not. wide receiver two numbers, let alone wide receiver one. No, and in that span, he did end up with three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But if you have that low of a catch volume, you've got to be Mike. You got to be Mike Evans. You got to go for two two catches, two yards, and two touchdowns <laughs> if you're going to make it worth it for your fantasy managers. Yeah, 
that's 100 true and yet mike williams <laughs> just in the second half of the year in the first half of the year he was doing that he was catching a lot of touchdowns wide receiver but he three. Also had a lot of catches yeah. as well yeah, I think next year, it all depends on where he lands. But I think overall, I honestly like, and it's not because I don't like Mike Williams as a player, but I think overall, I'm going to be fading him a little bit because of that second half drop off. And because generally as like a general rule for me, like I will just try to fade anyone who goes into free agency overall, because I feel like people expect too much out of landing spots. And I've definitely fallen into that trap. No, before there with guys. Was- and I've definitely been known to selectively pick and choose the guys who I love who go into free agency like Kenny Galladay. And that didn't work out at all last well, year. But I think no, Mike to Williams your point, Calvin, too much optimism I s- for him. I saw a tweet uh, yesterday, I believe, where it talked about the um, wide receivers who had changed teams and had the most money spent on them, I think the last year or two. Their fantasy production and production in general fell off a cliff. In the last year, Stephon Diggs, like it hasn't really worked out. Yeah. So, no, you're completely accurate with that uh, take, if you will. So, if I'm Mike Williams, I'm staying in LA. Mm-hmm. Like, I am not going anywhere unless they have an elite quarterback because you're not going to get better than Justin Herbert's arm, if you ask me. He has mm-hmm. a howitzer of an arm. And I heard that on a game, someone called it that. And I was like, that is the 110% most accurate yeah. description of Justin Herbert's arm. Yeah. But I, if I'm Mike Williams, I don't want to go anywhere else because he's got the arm talent to get me the ball. He's just got to figure like Williams himself has to figure out how to be more consistent throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think the one thing there is that like when you compare him to a guy like Kenny Galladay, the, I mm-hmm. agree with you on all those points, but are we really arguing that Kenny Galladay isn't too happy with 18 million a year? Like, despite the fact that he hasn't produced at all, if Mike Williams gets money chucked at him 15 plus mil per year, maybe he walks somewhere else because of the financial interest, but purely from a football Mm -hmm. interest it's definitely his, like his best idea to like stay with LA versus going somewhere else for sure. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And that's a good point about the money too. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So the next guy up, we got about five guys left wide receiver. 16 is Brandon cooks. He's always here. There's not even much to talk about. Whatever the quarterback is, whatever is happening, Brandon Cooks will get about 130 targets, 90 catches in over a thousand yards and like six or seven or eight touchdowns. Like, look at his, I, I think we should like, honestly, like maybe we'll like, I'll play a game on the show sometime where like have people on and then just like give them Brandon Cooks' stat lines over the years and try to guess, have them try to guess which year it was from. And I don't think anyone would get that like perfectly (laughs) right because it's all the same. He's always going to be great. And I think maybe he goes undervalued again next year. I don't know if anyone's ever going to catch on. I feel like people finally are just like, okay, let me draft Brandon cooks as a wide receiver too, because that's where he's going to be. But um, I think small Mike Evans. Yeah. He's small Mike Evans hundred other than 2019. He he's had 114 targets at least and a thousand yards except for 2019 and at least five touchdowns like yeah and 2019 like said, was like concussion year for him yeah i think you're right he is such a value every year so i i try and draft him whenever i can i drafted him in scott fishbowl this past year um and that was that was helpful helped me make the playoffs but didn't mm-hmm. go nearly as far as i did uh in 2020 mm-hmm. yeah i mean he's gonna be always fantastic always a great value 
And um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't even know if there's much more to say. Like just generally, like Brandon Cooks <laughs> is easy, easy as easy of a bet as there is. Like finishes the top in the top twenty-four wide receivers. Like even guys ranked ahead of him, like DK Metcalf. Like honestly, like actually, I guess DK is probably also a pretty safe bet to finish in the top twenty-four. But generally, the point I was trying to make was about like consistency there. And Brandon yeah. Cooks is definitely very, very consistent overall. Hundred percent. Uh, so the next guy, speaking of consistency, Jalen Waddle was very consistent, at least for this year. He got a lot of targets. He was the wide receiver 17. And really over the second half of the year was when a lot of his production came mm-hmm. as well. Like he was mm-hmm. actually pretty good in the first half too. But like in the second half of the year, he started getting all, catching a lot more of his t- targets, caught over 100 passes, over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. I faded Jalen Waddle because I didn't like love him too much as a prospect, but that was the wrong move. He was pretty good. And, or he was very, very good. And he's like got such a bright future in Dynasty. Because like he's going like I think like you mentioned in your startup, he was like borderline like top 10. That's where he's going like most dynasty leagues right now. So for redraft, probably wide receiver two for dynasty, probably around a borderline wide receiver one because he's already done it in his rookie year, which was very impressive. Yeah, no, and I I couldn't agree more with you there. He's someone that from a dynasty perspective, even for a redraft perspective for next year, I'm very, very excited about Jalen Waddell. I think Mike McDaniel was a phenomenal hire for the Dolphins. Um, I, Mike McDaniel, I know you're not probably listening to this podcast, unfortunately for Calvin and myself, but <laughs> draft a freaking running back. Just oh, yeah. draft a running back, please. I don't care. Like in rounds two through four, draft a running back. That's all I'm asking because I think this offense next year can take off. I'm a Tua truther. I don't know about you. I think Tua is phenomenal. People have forgotten that. And he's going to make them remember next year because I think McDaniel is going to develop him even more into the NFL than he was, than he's been. Mm-hmm. He's going to have Waddle coming back as his wide receiver one. They need some other improvements in that receiving game as well. So I could see them drafting or taking a wide receiver or, picking a wide receiver up in free agency also. And that's what they need to do. They just need to get to a one or two more weapons and then let Mike McDaniel do his thing. And I think this offense could seriously go to the moon as long as Tua stays healthy. Yeah, that's true. They do have a lot of upside for next year. It's just, I don't know if I, it's not great to like trust a Kyle Shanahan coaching tree guy and Mike McDaniel to take a running back and just not run with the committee. But I think that could be really useful for the Dolphins in a way where a lot of teams, it's like, okay, don't spend first round draft capital on a running back Jaguars, like for example, but for the Dolphins, like maybe not first round for sure. I don't think spending a first round pick on a running back is ever a good idea, but like second through fourth for sure. Yeah, I know. Already had James Robinson. Yep. The and Travis Etienne is going to be overrated for next year because Urban Meyer is gone and the new coach has new, no obligation. Doug Peterson has no obligation to use Travis Etienne over James Robinson. It's going to be whoever's better. And I think James Robinson is going to end up being possibly the better running back, although Travis Etienne is more explosive. So I think overall, they'll probably balance out to probably the same production like equal production. I don't think because there's because yeah. the coach who drafted ETN is now gone. There is no obligation for ETN to be played. The first round pick, throw that out the window. It doesn't matter. It's whoever's good. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, only counterpoint I have to that is I think James Robinson also got hurt late in the year. I don't mm-hmm. remember what the injury was, but that's the only reason I think ETN might end up actually being a value. That's true. Yeah. And ECN's had time to like fully recover from obviously yeah. his preseason injury and stuff. But I mean, and I'm not saying he's bad. 
I didn't think I wasn't quite as high on him as other people were because I kind of felt like he was oftentimes like a little too patient, especially when running laterally, like trying mm-hmm. to maybe be a Le'Veon Bell, but not quite doing it and not really exploding through the hole. Because when you have the ability to run for 80 yard touchdowns, you need to be, you can't really be too choosy about which hole you like try to get through. Yeah, and totally. when you're just running behind the line, you don't really get the opportunity to like show, show your like speed and use your speed to its maximum advantage, which again, like is probably his best trait is his ability to just fly through the second level. Yeah, totally. So he was my RB three in the class, but I still think he's going to be a good running back coming in. And I just think, but yeah, I do think like, again, that first round argument, like it doesn't really matter anymore because Meyer's gone. Wait, I don't know how we got so off topic, but that was like definitely an enlightening (laughs) conversation, but I forgot what we were talking about. I think it was the Dolphins because the running backs. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Well, that was an interesting (laughs) conversation for sure. And I think it was important to know for next year's fantasy, but overall getting back to Jalen Waddle. I do think next, like for Dynasty, again, kind of that borderline wide receiver one. For redraft, he's going to be a high volume wide receiver two guy. I just don't know because of Tua's risk. If I have a ton of confidence that he'll suddenly be like a throwing the ball downfield type of guy that really helps Jalen Waddle break out next year. So yeah. overall, I don't know if his upside's too great there. And I think his dot may remain a bit low, but he'll get a lot of targets. Yeah, totally. All right. Wide receiver 18. This guy was very, very consistent. T Higgins was great. He often actually outperformed Jamar Chase, like through stretches, but then Jamar Chase would like put up a 200 yard game and that was all over. (laughs) But T Higgins overall, he was getting a lot of targets. He had 110 on the year over a thousand yards. So pretty efficient with those. And as long as Joe Burrow is still quarterback, T Higgins is still going to get the football because Joe Burrow, like Joe Burrow never fully went away from T Higgins. Like it was never a game where Jamar Chase just got a ton of targets and T Higgins was just gone. Like T Higgins was very, very consistent. And so I'm fine drafting him as a wide receiver two next year. It's just not great to stack him with Jamar Chase. Yeah. He had three targets twice. And then other than that, it was at least five targets in every game. Yeah. Uh, Week 11 versus Vegas and week 15 against Denver. Other Mm -hmm. than that, he had, uh, at least five targets, like I mentioned, he did miss uh, weeks three and four and week 18. Um, so I feel like if he gets a full 16 or 17 game season, um, he could rise just a little bit. Um, the one thing that I would like to say to Joe Burrow is why does this man who is six foot four only have six touchdowns in each of his first two seasons yeah. target this man in the red zone? For sure. That makes sense. Just do it. If if that could go up, that would help him a lot more to become more of like a solid wide receiver too with upside for like more great games because he had some good ones just based on him being a PPR gem. But like Mm -hmm. sometimes it would just be like, okay, you got me six catches for 60 yards, but that's not that many fantasy points unless you're in a full PPR league. So overall, he was very good. Going to be good next year, pretty safe and still young. So good dynasty asset. Yep. Wide receiver 19. We got two guys left. It's Tyler Lockett at wide receiver 19. And it was weird because coming into the year, like I wasn't very in on like the Seahawks in offense, like Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, but I kind of focused it. And I didn't think they were either, either of them were going to be particularly consistent. And I kind of focused my emphasis though on Lockett. I was more like, I thought Lockett was going to be far more inconsistent than DK, but although Lockett like finished lower, it did feel like, I don't know, like he he did it all oftentimes just get like that one big play when he had like three target games to where he was fine that week and then or just get like a touchdown so he didn't have like too many like 
completely terrible games. Like I'm looking at his game log. He had a lot of targets. Didn't oftentimes would catch only two or three of them, but usually his yardage totals were pretty high. And he had eight touchdowns, not crazy, 1,175 yards. Like he was solid. And at times, especially in the second half of the year, almost felt better than DK Metcalf to just have on a fantasy team because DK had that like one atrocious stretch. Looking at this stat line, it makes sense that, uh, well, no, I'm thinking of Mike Williams, but it makes sense that DK probably dropped off a little bit with the line that Lockett's got in the second half. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the thing that probably made Lockett frustrating for fantasy managers is he had nine games. So that's more than half that were single digit games. If, Mm -hmm. and with where, even with where you're, you took Lockett or you're taking Lockett now, that's not something that you necessarily want. Like, um, that's, it's, it's kind of painful. Now, two of those were 9.1 and 9.6, but then everything else was like five or less. And like, you can't have that from someone who's a wide receiver too, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. And I just thought that, like, I ranked Tyler Lockett relatively low heading into the year. And I was like, I think Tyler Lockett's probably going to exceed my ranking, but it doesn't matter because it, I mean, it does matter to an extent, obviously, but it doesn't matter solely because of that, because I've always been, and I know some people aren't, but I've always been a usable weeks truther as a guy who is like, if he's on your bench and he goes off, those points don't help you. If you're starting him and he gives you four, that also doesn't help you. And time and time again, it happens. People are like, they'll draft Tyler Lockett and they'll say, I'm going to start Tyler Lockett the whole season. It never happens. You can't just assume you're going to make perfect starter sit decisions every week. And no, that's the pitfall with a Tyler Lockett. He's not ever going to be like bad. I'm never going to dump him to like in the forties or fifties because of that, because like, he's still going to put up enough fantasy points to be solid. But like he, just because he finishes as a top 24 wide receiver doesn't mean he should be drafted there. Totally. Although maybe he will be like, depending on what happens in the off season, it's not like totally out of the question for me, but again, like he was not spectacular this year. It often just depends on, he has some big games, but depends on whether you're starting him or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So last guy here, and then maybe like you can shout out like one other, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but if you want to shout out like one other guy outside of the top 20, who you find interesting, we could talk about that as well. But the wide receiver 20 here is DJ Moore. And he once again had a pretty consistent season, 11.1 points per game, played all 16 games, um, consistently got a lot of targets. In the early start of the year, he was just getting targeted like crazy, like eight targets, 11, 12, 12, 7, 13, and 10. That's like great numbers. And then near the end of the year too, 10, 10, 11, 12, 8, and 10 to close out the year, he just had four touchdowns. He's never, ever, ever, it feels like going to get more than like four or five touchdowns in a year. And maybe we'll, he'll have that one year eventually where it's like, oh my gosh, he had 12. But I feel like that'd be more of a fluke than anything. That would be amazing. But his upside is so capped because the QB situation is so terrible over in Carolina with Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, PJ Walker. It was just atrocious last year. Yeah. Uh, get this man a quarterback, please. Yeah. Please, please, please <laughs> get this man a quarterback. Um, I believe, give me two seconds. Cause I was looking at my other person is also someone that need, they, we need to get him a quarterback mm-hmm. um, that's outside of the top 20, but I think you could draft oh, I know who the you're talking about. and not be, not be too, too bad. But for DJ Moore, I mean, 163 targets, 163. That is phenomenal. That's insane. You want that. 
It didn't feel like an 163 target season for fantasy points. No, it it really didn't. Now he hasn't had less than 118 other than his rookie year. And, but I mean, get this man a quarterback, please. Because I feel like that reception number being at 93 is due to quarterback play. Mm -hmm. So if he has, again, hypothetically, let's say we drop his targets to 150, but you get that catch number up to the 125 range, his yards and touchdowns naturally should skyrocket to where he could have 1,400 yards and let's say six touchdowns because apparently he just doesn't score touchdowns. But again, I think that's related to quarterback play. That's clearly a wide receiver one Mm -hmm. territory. So please just get this man a quarterback, please. Maybe Carolina will trade for Deshaun Watson or Wilson or something, and that would help to fix it. Like, honestly, if Deshaun Watson gets cleared from his legal issues and stuff, which, I mean, I don't know if he'll be cleared, but like cleared to play football. I mean, if he goes there, that would be awesome for DJ Moore. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. 100%. I mean, Wilson would be an improvement. I I mean, pretty much anybody would be an improvement. Kirk Cousins would be an improvement. I, I wouldn't hate that either. Mm-hmm. We've seen Kirk Cousins support fantasy relevant wide receivers. So yeah, I would ugh, just get him a quarterback, please. That's all I'm asking for. For sure. All right. All right. So, so that wraps up the top 20. Do you want to shout out your one other guy? Yeah. My one other guy, I am a little shocked. He's not super, super low um, outside of the top 20, but he's, tw- he was 25. It's Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. He had 130 targets, 77 catches, 1,053 yards and five touchdowns. That's unacceptable. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's football malpractice, if you will, yeah. for someone who's as talented as Terry McLaurin is. Um, you've got to get him someone that can get him the ball accurately. No, like no offense to Taylor Heineke. Like he's a, he's an okay quarterback when it comes to, to fantasy, but he's not consistent enough. He's not talented enough to support someone like Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Not a first Especially guy. when Washington as a football team overall has the chops to make it into the playoffs in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like their defense is good enough. They've got talented running backs. I think their offensive line is decent. And then they've got Terry McLaurin, Deami Brown, some other guys. I just say get get Terry McLaurin a quarterback and see what this offense can actually do. Yeah, I agree with you. He's so similar to DJ Moore in that way. Yeah, I'm going to shout out one other guy as well. Second year player heading in who I think can take a jump. It's Devontae Smith who finishes the wide receiver 31. Yeah. So if you drafted him in like the 30s where he was, you probably got a slightly positive return on him. But he was a little bit too inconsistent to consistently start. But the reason I like Devontae Smith is because Obviously, the Eagles ran the ball a lot in the second half of the season. That cannot continue. At least it can continue, but not to the 62% extent like it was in the second half of the year or something where they ran the ball in 62% of plays. That cannot happen because they got blown out by the Bucs in the first round of the playoffs, and that opened their eyes to you can beat mediocre teams by running the ball the whole game. But if you're not like super talented and you only have like Miles Sanders as your running back, you can't beat Super Bowl caliber teams like the Bucs. And they got destroyed and had no other offense. That's why Devontae Smith's going to have to be more involved in year two. And when you look at his stats, like maybe it didn't feel so great as a fantasy manager, but they were not all that bad. Over 100 targets, over 900 yards, five touchdowns. He was perfectly fine. That is, those are the type of numbers that you can often see before a wide receiver takes a year two or year three jump. Only 25, like I just looked this up, only 25 receivers in NFL history 
and this includes like tight ends as well, had had like over a thousand yards in their rookie seasons. We obviously know that there are over 25 receivers and tight ends in NFL history who turned out to be superstars. Devontae Smith was on that doorstep, but it's I'm just using that stat to illustrate that it's not like of crazy concern that Devontae Smith didn't have like a thousand and a thousand yard season this year. And I think he can still make that jump. Like looking in the past, there were three guys who did it this year. One who did it last year, one in 2019 in 2018, 2017, no rookies did it in 2016. There was one guy in 2015. There was one guy. And obviously that is attributed to the lack of depth in some classes, like in general, that's not like the it's again, I'm just overall just trying to say that it's not the worst thing in the world to have like a receiver. If he didn't get a thousand yards in the rookie season, there is still room for him to jump up. And he had a solid rookie season overall comparatively to many guys in past years. Well, and to your point with that stat too, we've been extremely spoiled. I feel like with the Mm -hmm. last couple of classes of wide receivers for sure, like Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson, both broke records, like nobody's business. Like, yeah, exactly. It's we've been spoiled uh, to where I feel like it's kind of made our expectations unrealistic for rookie receivers and rookie players in general. So no, I love that you brought that point up and I love the, the, the pick that you made with uh, Devonte Smith. Yeah, he's gonna get a lot better next year, I think, and he's gonna need to get the ball more. And if he doesn't, the Eagles are gonna be bad, and I'll take an L on that one. But I think the Eagles are gonna have to. I think Nick, Nick Sirianni is smart enough to adjust his offense enough to where maybe running the running game is still a focal point because I think it will be. But Devonte Smith will get more targets next year and maybe catch more of them. He only caught sixty-four of his targets. He's a good receiver who can get open. That should get go up probably just a little bit. Hopefully, if Jalen Hurts can like throw the ball a little more accurately that would be nice but um so i guess that's where we wrap up the show so thank you so much shane for sticking around i know this was kind of a long one but i had a great time talking to you today and yeah chopping it up about some wide receivers yeah man uh that's uh i i have a trend going that uh if you have me on as a guest it's going to be a long episode because i do <laughs> a lot so i do apologize to you and to your listeners but i appreciate you having me on it was a blast um chatting these wide receivers i love talking wide receivers they're probably one of my favorite positions to uh to look at in fantasy so i appreciate you mm-hmm. yeah 100 it was a lot of fun and do you want to shout out your stuff one last time before we hop off certainly you guys can follow me on twitter at ff shane b my podcast is the fantasy nightcap which you can follow at fantasy nightcap on twitter as well and then make sure you follow um, a website that i co-founded with uh, my buddies fox nick wardy and tycoon it is the fantasy football collective www.ffcollective.com or follow us on twitter at ff underscore collective collective is k-o-l-l-e-c-t-i-v and don't forget to sh- uh, sign up for Polly's playoff All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for hopping on. (laughs) Thanks guys for listening. Be sure to also check out the top 20 tight ends episode that's dropping next week. Our final top 20 recap show of the year. Thanks again, Shane, for hopping on and uh, we will see you guys next time.